Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal podcast. Dana Lash is the country's number one nationally syndicated talk radio host in the afternoons and hosts her award-winning radio program, The Dana Show, from Dallas, Texas, right here where I live. She's the author of three books, the national bestseller, Hands Off My Guns, Defeating the Plot to Disarm America, which turned the tide in the gun control debate. Fly Over Nation, You can, Can't can Run a Country You've Never Been To, which predicted the coastal flyover divide and sentiment that decided the 2016 election. And Grace Council, detailing the country's council culture and denial of redemption and we're joined right now with my dear friend and the great dana lash dana how are you doing today i'm doing well it's so good to see you and i just now realized you had an axe on your desk i'm missing something like that that's pretty cool well we can square your way this you know <laughs> you know uh, I have told people that I'm looking for Black Robe Regiment pastors, you know, pastors that, uh, you know, honor the, the history of those who came out of the pulpit and fought for us in the Revolutionary War. And so, you know, we have inscribed here Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 2 through 5, which is, you know, preach nice. the word in season and out. And we've got the, uh, the Black Robe Regiment symbol there, and we put the pastor's name on there and everything. That is awesome. So I think I need to make a special... Black Robe Regiment Tomahawk for Dana Lash because Oh my gosh. I can't think that of any I can't think of anything more badass than <laughs> you to be there with your AR and a tomahawk. I mean See now we gotta get you outfitted with, with a tactical wall next after that. Well then we'll do it. See we'll there we go. Right away. All right, we got well, an understanding there we go. We will go. make it happen. Dana You've been on this battle for, I mean, going back to being a journalist in, in St. Louis and now, like I said, top rated, nationally syndicated radio host in the afternoons. Did you ever think that we would see what is going on in our country in your lifetime? Well, I, I thought it could be a possibility, I think, which is why uh, so many of us decided that, you know, back in like 2007, even with uh, the end of 2007, with too big to fail and all of that, we kind of saw where everything was going. Uh, and we went out even before the 2008 election. That's what a lot of people never really kind of understood about grassroots at the time. It's we saw something that was coming that certain Republicans were priming the system for mm -hmm. and Democrats were exploiting it and taking advantage of it, starting with the financial sector, starting with and then going into restorative justice, going into, you know, the 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 CRT and the the Marxist, you know, cultural kind of Orwellian school of thought. Uh, pushing into all of that. And we we thought it could be, I think, a possibility. I mean, I did, which is one of the reasons that you know, why we I did what I did and and said what I said and kind of ended up, I think, where I am. I don't think anybody goes into this industry, as you know, 
willingly. I think there's mm-hmm. something, if you go into it willingly when you're a young person and this is what you want to do, there's something wrong with you because <laughs> this is something that it's, you, you find yourself in this position kind of out of necessity. And that's, I think, you know, where we're at right now. It, it has gotten so crazy. Right is wrong. Wrong is right. Yeah. Uh, you know, a crime is done blatantly out in the public and denied to our faces when, when we ask about it. And it's really, fostered not just a I think a lack of faith in our institutions uh, which was purposeful and I think all by design but also a resentment not just a resentment with government but a resentment between different groups of people in the United States based on who we think is accommodating this lawlessness and who isn't so to answer your question long story short yes I I, I thought it could potentially happen but prayed that it wouldn't you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I won the congressional election back in 2010. And I remember being up there on Capitol Hill and listening to the people on the other side of the aisle. And, you know, you know, you, you hear this socialism, you hear this Marxism, you hear those those principles and those things. But when you speak to it back then, everyone's like, you can't say that. You can't do that. I mean, you know, that's that's bad. Uh, I mean, Alan West just basically said that the Congressional Progressive Caucus are, you know, communist leaning. I, I mean, you, you know, you're the new McCarthy. But if we had thought about this 10, maybe 20 years ago, maybe we could have precluded a lot of the things that we see happening today. Where are the courageous men and women in elected positions that will stand up and say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done? I know you got the, you know, you have the Donald Trumps here, ones and twosies. But when are we going to have a concerted group of individuals that are willing to stand up and, and say these things? Because the left now admits who they are. Mm-hmm. And they're challenging you in more ways, shapes, forms, and fashion. Isn't it interesting? The left admits who they are, but not yeah. everybody on the right is willing to. I think people it's, are it's amazing. not to, not to be mean to our own side, but I do think that we, you know, at some point, everybody's got to have a come to Jesus moment. And we kind mm-hmm. of are with some of the stuff that we see with, you know, pride and all of these other things. But there are a lot of people who I think want to be safe and comfortable in this fight. And you can't be. And I think there are a lot of people who, especially lawmakers, they don't want. And I understand they don't want to upset the seat. They don't want to upset if they come from a purple district. I get it. They want to make sure that they can stay in that seat because it's better to have them than it is to have, you know, someone who's going to reliably vote with Chuck Schumer or the Nancy Pelosi's and all of that. But at the same time, you know, those who can't be, I think, put a greater emphasis on people who come from safer red districts for them to really stand up and 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 speak out even more boldly, uh, propose propose even bolder legislation and kind of give cover to those other lawmakers. And I think some of them do that, as you know, some of them do a really good job in that. But at the same time, people need to be afraid not to they need to be afraid of, of not rocking the boat more than they are about rocking the boat because you you have to be bold no matter what color your district is red blue purple it doesn't yeah. matter you you have to speak out boldly because that's what voters voters are wanting authenticity and i don't think that that's spoken about enough like on the talk show circuits on cable news i mean they can sit and they can talk about this policy or that policy but what voters want is authenticity you can when you water down conservatism at the ballot box it doesn't win it never wins never wins when you're when you're when you're when you're talking about you know policy and 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 saving money and parental rights and all of these other issues but you're doing so from a very 
genuine position of we just want to be left alone to raise our children in freedom and enjoy the fruits of our labor. When you when you're very genuine and you put it in terms that people can understand, that resonates with voters. But everyone's so worried about focus group statements and is yeah. this going to play well with this voting segment? They just want authenticity. They want someone who is real, someone who is genuine, someone who doesn't worry about the focus groups because that's where the American people are at. So that's what lawmakers really need to do. And we need more of them to be unafraid to do that. You know, it was interesting you say that because I remember, you know, the, the, the leadership back when I was in Congress saying that, you know, Al, you need to use more nuanced language. And I was like, what the yeah. hell is nuanced language? I, you know, I come from the battlefield. There's nothing nuanced about a bullet. OK, it's yeah. going to hit you. It's going to kill you. And, you know, you need to, you know, shoot back. And so when I think about what is 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 going on now, you know, Ronald Reagan said we have to paint with bold colors, not the yeah. pretty pastels. And we have to draw a clear distinction. And when we do draw that clear distinction, look at the what happened in Virginia when all of a sudden on the issue of education, people came out and said, you know, we're going to show up at the school board meetings. We don't want to be told that we don't have a right in deciding what our children are being taught. Do you think that education and the relationship with the parent to the child is going to be an important issue uh, in this election? Because I'm sick and tired of hearing Joe Biden, his wife, Kamala Harris, and oh the, the binder, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, tell me that my children aren't my own. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, I think that is probably one of the biggest common ground issues in America, if not the biggest. I go back to, uh, and you, I mean, you came, you came up in Florida. Uh, you know the lay of the land there. I mean, what, what's happened there in the past couple of election cycles, especially the last election cycle, was really pushed by those parents, as well yeah. as in Virginia. I mean, you had parents, there was a, a Democrat Muslim mother who started mm -hmm. one of the parental groups and she was pushing back against what she saw happening in school. Like with the fight with Disney, they, uh, and, and this is, I don't even know if I say it as, it's a culture war, it's a parental rights war. Mm -hmm. Parents just wanted to be able to have the, the final say in what their children were exposed to in terms of age appropriateness in the school. And you had big corporations, you know, well, really one, Disney, which had enjoyed, you know, a, a special accommodation for years that was pushing back against that. That made parents livid. I mean, you had Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, they, they went yes. Republican. Yes. I thought that was fake when I first saw it. I didn't even want to take it to air. I'm like, I need at least three sources for this. Let me go to the, I'm going to have to go to the, the Secretary of State website and look this up. I don't, I didn't believe it. I thought that was crazy. But that was because parents were thinking, wait a minute, this is not academic and it's challenging our parental sovereignty. That worries us. We've th that's that is the big issue that and people's wallets that they will rally around and they will discard whatever letter affiliation they have had for however many cycles. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that more Republicans play on that going into the next election, because that also field turnout. There was a piece, I think it was either Washington Post or Wall Street Journal uh, that last night came out with a story talking about how this should be a red flag for Democrats, because the yeah. turnout from midterms particularly yes. greatly exceeded that of Democrats because of that issue, because of the parental issue. And then here you have Merrick Garland's DOJ and the F FBI tagging using the Patriot Act, tagging parents as potential domestic terrorists because mm -hmm. they're speaking out at school board meetings. There's a great way to drive people to the ballot box to vote against you if I ever saw one. So I think you're right. That is the singular issue because it doesn't matter what your affiliation is. Everybody talks mom and dad. Everybody talks our family. Everybody talks our kids. Mm -hmm. Everybody talks keeping our families safe. That is the common issue of everybody in this country. Or, or you even have this Southern poverty 
Liberty Law Center going after Moms for Liberty and putting them down as a hate group. I mean, mm-hmm. Moms for Liberty? I mean, moms that want to make sure that their kids uh, are not mutilated. Uh, you know, what's amazing to me, Dana, is that an 18-year-old and below kid can't get a tattoo. Right. They can't go out and, and drink or, or any of these other things. But yet we're supposed to say that a kid that is 15 or 14 can decide that they don't want to be a little boy or a little girl, and we should allow that to happen. But I want to bring us here to Texas because when we talk about that education issue and the school choice, educational freedom issue, it is confounding to me that here in Texas we cannot get school choice passed. I, I, I mean, help me out here. Help me to understand something. Just because somebody's got an R after their name doesn't mean they're they're fully red. Doesn't necessarily mean that. That's why I tell people, don't get so excited about having a Republican majority because that may not mean anything. Uh, you may end up getting something soft. You may end up getting something like some of the things that we've been fighting in, in, in Austin these past several cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you bring up a really good point because this, it, it, just to touch on what you said about uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center and Moms for Liberty, they should be afraid of those mothers. In fact, every bureaucrat and every anti-child and anti-parent activist should be absolutely terrified. The most dangerous place in the world for anybody to be is between a mother and her child. Mm-hmm. And they should be absolutely afraid because they're challenging that mother's sovereignty and the father's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. They're challenging who ultimately has the say over what is or is not appropriate. And I know that the press loves to use these like super, you know, kitten and sunshine terms to talk about like top surgery. It's medically unnecessary you know, mastectomies. Yes. Uh, it's it's hormonal abuse. We, we have no long-term studies about what those, the pushing of hormones does to kids. We, we don't even have long-term studies on what it does to women who are going into menopause. We don't even have that yet. We have no idea how it affects them, but they're trying to sell, tell us that it's, you know, medically safe, which it's not. And to the point of Texas with school choice, that's a civil rights issue. Mm-hmm. To be able to determine where you want to send your children. I, I am shocked at how much we spend, not just in Texas, but everywhere else, how much we spend per pupil uh, on education. I think in Pennsylvania, I want to say it was something like 16,000 per student. That's mm-hmm. most than, mo- than that's more than most private school tuitions. Mm-hmm. I sent my kids, I homeschooled them for a period, then they went to a Christian school. That's more than I paid for the tuition at my children's Christian school. Now that's the message to drive home with some of these parents. You want school choice? Would you like your child to have the same kind of private education and have that sort of quasi concierge service when it comes to going to college and college applications and all of that, because that's what school choice gets you. You don't have to be locked in to this cycle of mediocrity with public schools and and this whole system. It's, It's all about political favors. When people realize how much they spend per pupil and they realize they could be getting their children a more affordable and better education elsewhere. I mean, that's what another thing that Democrats and the the left are absolutely terrified of. Uh, They don't want that freedom in education. And for any Republican in Texas to not be on board with that, then I question their credentials and I question their commitment, not just to freedom, but to Texas families. You know, and and as a side point or as a comparative analysis, you look at what just happened in North Carolina, where a Republican legislature passed school choice. And what did the Democrat governor, uh, Roy Cooper, do? He, Mm -hmm. you know, established a, a state of emergency. He calls a state of emergency because all of a sudden we think that parents should be able to decide the best uh, educational opportunity for their kids. If that's not a winning issue, I, I mean, where's the RNC? Where are the commercials? Mm. Where, where is everyone on the same sheet of music pounding the table about parents making the right choice in education for their kids, especially, Dana, 
in the urban communities, mm. you know, where you see that black kids mainly can't read, can't do math at grade level, but then math is racist. I mean, yeah. how do we get to this point? The assessments that come out of Chicago, that have come out of Philadelphia, that come out of my hometown, St. Louis, uh, come out of Los Angeles, I think it was, what, nine years ago? Actually, they just reversed this, I think, this year. They were looking at lowering uh, requirements, mathematical requirements for, I think, standardized testing because they mm -hmm. determined that minority students were having difficulty in reaching uh, the same scores as their uh, other as as white students. And so instead of you know telling teachers to do a better job and instead of challenging themselves and making sure that all these kids were learning at the same level, they just decide to lower their standards, which you know that's that's absolutely bigoted. And we see that kind of like mirrored in some of these other cities. It turned out so bad. California is actually addressing it and they're reversing seen it. That's how horrible it was. But I, I think it was uh, something like less than a third could read at grade level proficiency in Chicago. As much as we spend, why are we having these issues? We shouldn't. I mean, it's a rhetorical question. We shouldn't be having these these issues at all. And for Rory Cooper to look at this, it is a national emergency, the lack of freedom and choice in education. Yeah. But he just decided to, to put that weapon the wrong way and, and point that finger at the wrong people. Uh, parents, they... Not to, I've had some great teachers. I went to a public school, yeah. uh, went to a private university, went to a public school. And I had some really great teachers that, that inspired within me a love of history and, you know, the, the politics. Actually, it was a Democrat teacher. She probably ruined the day. Uh, <laughs> but it really in, inspired a love of learning in me. Not every teacher is the same. And teaching back then in the in late 80s and 90s definitely is not the same as it is today. And especially yeah. what, you know, we, we expect teachers to do and the politics of it. But to assume that parents don't have their the best interest of their children at heart, that's the problem. And when, you know, going back to what you said, when you have Biden and others saying, you know, our children, our children, well, you they don't get to say that because we've demonstrated as parents, you know, a greater, I think, understanding and also greater commitment to care to our children than the, than the federal government. I mean, we want to make Absolutely. sure that our kids learn. It's to our best interest that our kids are well-educated, that they are healthy, that they are informed, and that they are happy. And nothing that we have seen from the federal government has ever been able to accomplish what parents have been able to do throughout millennia. You know, last question before I let you go. Every, you know, we're going into a presidential election cycle. Everyone's talking about getting in this person's camp, that person's camp. They always ask me, you know, Colonel, who are you going to endorse? I tell I don't give a damn about endorsing. You know, I'm looking for an American president. I, I have certain standards and characteristics in mind. I would love to know what does Dana Lash look for in an American president? Mm, that's a good question. I um, I'm always pretty straight, no chaser with folks, and I call, but I always call balls and strikes because I mm -hmm. hate DC and I really don't like a lot of politicians. Um, really try not to. I just different. It's 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 the it's my American DNA. When someone says there, no offense to you because we're friends. But when someone says, you know, I'm running for office, I'm immediately like, I feel like I should be suspicious of you. It's just, you know, it's the American DNA that I have. Yeah. But to that point, you know, I came out, I think, in you know, in the beginning, I, I, I've always appreciated what Trump did. I've known Trump for over a decade. Mm -hmm. uh, I've met Ron DeSantis uh, on one occasion. I've been very impressed with him. I really like him. In the primary, I like Ron DeSantis, but I'm going to vote for the Republican nominee. Uh, I voted for Trump twice. I'm going to vote for the Republican nominee in 2024 because I'll, I think that's the last election that we have. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I have my reasons for, for my position. I like eight years and not being limited to four. And there's a couple of other things that come into play there. That's like, I'm just looking at the basic math and I'm looking at strategy. It's, you know, it's politics. It's not personal. 
Um, but to that extent, I'm, I want someone who's going to leave me alone, uh, someone who's going to stand for our interests in a world that thinks that we should be ashamed of them, but yet also wants us to provide security for everyone else. Uh, and to be able to realize that and, and, and to stand for you know parental sovereignty uh, and someone who says, the, honestly, the person who goes out there and actually makes it happen, abolishing the ATF and the IRS and all that fun stuff. I mean, that's how we become best friends. I never said that about a politician, but someone who goes and does it, we're best friends. Uh, but ultimately, I would like to see someone recognize Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, mm. how government is supposed to be structured. The mm -hmm. federal government only has so much authority. Anything mm -hmm. else after that's relegated back to the states. And then anything after that is the individual. Mm -hmm. And realize that government doesn't have all the answers. The individual is the most powerful entity in the United States. And that is how our republic was founded. That's how it's that's how it's structured. And it's structured like that for a purpose. We should never live in fear of government or be worried about what our government does or not even know what our government does on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, every single day I'm finding out, especially with the Ray hearings, I'm finding out, oh my gosh, we had this agency? How long has this agency been around? How, what's yeah. their budget like? It's mind boggling. So someone who understands that the nature of our government is to be very, very strictly limited, who believes in the end individual sovereignty of the American, believes in our borders, uh, is proud to to realize that the interest of our citizenry, just like with any other country, come first. Uh, that's that's the person that I like, and I think that best benefits befits the office. I think you're absolutely right. And, and looking at the aftermath of Independence Day, we have to reestablish the right and proper role and relationship between this individual, their sovereignty, their rights, freedoms, and liberties, and the institution of government. Dana Lash, yep. where can people follow you and tune into you and all the great things that you're doing? Oh, goodness. They can find me on Twitter, Facebook, uh, DanaLash.com, uh, YouTube, everywhere. I'm, I'm all over. I'm right there with you. Yeah, you got it. And I owe you, hey, ladies and gentlemen, everyone know, I am going to special design a tomahawk for Dana Lash, and we're going to get it to you within the next couple of weeks, okay? God love you. That is such an honor. And I'm going to work on getting your tack walls up. All right. You got there it. You That's go. the deal. There Thank it you is. so much for joining us here on Staff Pass Podcast. Good to see God you, my bless friend. You. Take God care, bless. Dana. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us for this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. Special thanks to a dear friend, fellow Texan, Dana Lash, for coming on the show and talking to us about some critical issues that we face. And as always, please click that like button and share this podcast with others. Until next time, Steadfast and Loyal. Before they burn it down.